We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to a Tuesday afternoon edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen back, as always, on Tuesdays with Alex Barutha. Alex, this is this is not going to be one of our more fun podcasts. I'm just going to put that out there right away. Um, it's been kind of a nightmare last four or five days, uh, not only for the NBA, uh, I would say more so for us uh, as, as people who are responsible for um, updating injury designations and making <laughs> single piece of news for every single player in the league is accounted for uh we are the real victims here is what i'm trying to say and this has been i mean this has been just a a crazy last few days with the cancellations or postponements i should say um we you know still just kind of a a general lack of clarity as far as which players have covid which players maybe were exposed to covid which players you know are just being investigated as to whether they were exposed and then all of a sudden they're eligible to play a day later it's just been such a complete mess, and and I feel so naive because the first few weeks of the season went so well. You know, there are a few uh, Bulls players, most notably Lori Markkinen, who missed some time. You know, you'd have a player go into health and safety protocols for a day or two, and, and normally they'd emerge just fine. Um, but it felt like last week Kevin Durant was kind of the first domino, and now we have, you know, Washington and Philadelphia and Boston, um, among other teams, Dallas, uh, dealing with with kind of, I, I want to say COVID outbreaks, but we also, we don't really know how many players have COVID that they're, they're, you know, there's just kind of all this exposure to it. Um, and now here we are with, with, I think we have four total games uh, canceled on the year, uh, including that, that OKC Houston game from opening night. Yeah. The NBA is calling those games postponements, but I would be shocked if those end up getting played. You think, think so? I don't think they'll get played. No, I, I mean, maybe they'll carve out time you know, at mm-hmm. the end of the year, like a week or two stretch where these teams finish off their regular season games. But at the rate that this is going, I just don't know if they're going to want to add any more games than they absolutely have to. And they 
my guess is they'll just end up by the end of the year going by um, like team record, um, like, um, you know, percentage, win percentage. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know, man, it's, it's ramping up really fast. Like the NBA is rolling out new protocols. A lot of that is, you know, more strict rules about who, uh, you know, who can be a guest for certain players in the hotel, how much you can leave the hotel, how much, you know, staff members can actually do. They're trying to make sure people are actually wearing their masks on the bench. Meetings are supposed to be 10 minutes. Like there's a, even on the court, there's, you know, there, the NBA is trying to restrict players from like dapping up after free throws, which to me seems crazy based on, you know, what the, the fact that everyone's playing basketball like before and after uh, those, those handshakes and whatnot are occurring. I mean, Markeith Morris tried to wrestle DeMarcus Cousins in the Lakers Rockets game right. the other night. Uh, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I'm with you on that. I, I think most people agree. Um, you know, little things like that, I, I think just seem kind of ridiculous. I, I view it more as like the league. It felt like it was reaching a point after the last couple of days where the league needed to issue some sort of update. And, you know, I, you see a lot of people throw out, well, maybe they'll just shut things down for seven to 10 days, you know, let every team kind of self quarantine and then start anew uh, in a week and a half. And, and I, I think the NBA really does not want to do that. Uh, there's obviously a ton of financial incentive to play as many games as you can, to televise as many games as you can. I mean, the quality of play has been pretty good. Uh, we're, I, I think we're going to start to see that affected, um, you know, as we did on Saturday with a team like Philly, just having to throw out, you know, six healthy guys and, and one injured player, basically, who is, who is also available. Um the more that starts to happen, I think maybe the more pressure is going to be on the league. But for now, I mean, you talk about those, you know, the renewed protocols or the updated protocols that that Shams and Woj reported on today. To me, it, it doesn't really seem like anything that's ultimately going to make all that much of a difference. You know, you're, you're essentially asking players to do something, but you're not able to police it on the same level or even close to the same level that you were in the bubble. You know, like one of them that that Shams tweeted out is. You know, when players are are at home, um, you know, or like you're you're you know in the day of or the day before a home game, you're supposed to remain in your home at all times, except for exercising outside, essential activities or extraordinary circumstances. How do you keep track of that? I did, I mean, you hope that the players realize the seriousness of the situation and the amount of money at stake here, but obviously so far that has not been the case. And I I just think you can you can keep harping on this, but. Without a bubble, uh, as we've seen in other sports throughout the last calendar year, it's it really is impossible to to actually feel good about about how this is all going to turn out. It is because, you know, I mean, we've also had players test positive for a second time, which is kind of problematic about whether or not they've actually gotten it the second time, whether one of those tests was a false positive. Like, all you know, there's there's a lot to unpack there. But you're right. It's like but but these are the things that weren't these players supposed to be doing that anyway. Like what were right. they, what was in the wording before that was saying that it was fine? Like, I know there were a certain list of approved restaurants for players to go to and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there were certain team activity things that were okay, that players were supposed to wear a mask for. Um, but I just feel like they're just, again, like rehashing this stuff that players are right. supposed to do. Um and maybe maybe it's just a matter of like they want to have more leeway to find players if videos come out or something of a right. player breaking these rules where maybe before they wouldn't have the the leeway to find them and players wouldn't take it as seriously and stuff like that. Right. And I think the the one change that was enacted with the updated protocols today that that to me makes a lot of sense. And I was surprised that it wasn't like this all all along is that. It seems, at least, based on the wording from some of these Woj tweets, that players were allowed to have guests at their hotel room on the road, which is really surprising. Um, and, and in my mind, I don't know for sure, obviously, but I, I would guess that a lot of the COVID-related issues are not because players are, you know, giving each other half hugs after the game or, you know, they're not wearing masks on the bench. I, I don't think that's where they're catching COVID. I, I think it's because, you know, you're you're still hanging out with maybe family members or close friends who, you know, I, I think we can give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm, I'm sure they realize the the severity of the situation, too, and are, are doing all they can. But, you know, they're not their their professional livelihood isn't depending on it to the same level that these players are. So, I, you know, my guess is that most players are, are doing what they can. But the NBA is essentially asking them to just be, you know, complete loners at all times, you know, in your own home. You know, the, the, the new update today implies that 
you know, people who are living with you now have to get tested twice a week to make sure that they're not transmitting it to you. And it, it just feels like it's it's a never ending spiral. And, and you mentioned, you know, players have now started to test positive twice. And I guess the hope is that the first one was a false positive. But if it's not, I mean, I, I think there was kind of this this belief for a while and, and essentially herd immunity for the league and that, you know, so many players have had it uh, dating back to, to last March that eventually, you know, we would get to the point where it, it wouldn't become that much of an issue. And, and if guys are starting to test positive twice, I mean, short of the vaccine, I, I don't really see this ending anytime soon. No, neither do I. And like, again, this is what we ran into last season where it's like it really only takes one player to test positive because they were in contact with someone who didn't know they were positive uh, because they don't take it seriously. It's not even that those people don't take it seriously. You can catch COVID just like even if you do take things very seriously. Right. Right. And so even if 99 percent of the players follow the rules, that still leaves like five to 10 players who may not be taking it seriously then they infect someone who infects someone mm-hmm. um, and so on. And so like, you're right. It just doesn't feel like this is ever, it's, it's difficult to see what actually would make this, this situation, this like snowballing effect for the league and COVID-19. It's tough to see what would make that stop. Um, and the season to run smoothly again, like it was the first two weeks or like it was mm-hmm. in the bubble. Yeah. I, I'm really not sure. I mean, I've, I've thought about, you know, the NFL, had its hiccups certainly, but I think on the whole, the NFL season has gone about as well as it could have. You know, I mean, how many high-profile players have actually missed games? Like, not that many. You know, some entire teams have really not been affected at all, uh, and maybe that's how the NBA season will go. But I think one thing to remember is the size of the rosters just makes this so much more dicey. You know, in the NFL, if you have to, you know, you can you can start a receiver at quarterback and you can play the game and and you know not have to worry about getting postponed or canceled. Uh, it might not be pretty, but at least it can go on. In the NBA, you know, if if seven of your 15 players are are COVID positive, all of a sudden everyone else has to be healthy or the game is not going to happen. And, and we're seeing that right now even. I mean, tonight's Miami Heat game very well could be postponed if two of their three currently injured players are, are not available. So, you know, not all of a sudden now you start to get in these situations where you're essentially, I, I wouldn't say the league is like pressuring these players, but I, I think if I'm Kelly Olynyk and I'm questionable for tonight's game, I would feel a lot of pressure to make sure that I can at least be out there so my team doesn't, you know, have to have this postponement situation that throws off the whole schedule. Right. And I know the 76ers got fined or Ben Sim- I think the 76ers got fined yep. for a late listing of Ben Simmons on the injury report with knee swelling yep. when it seemed like they were trying to get that game canceled. Yeah. Um yeah. And it should have so, been. I yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I don't think the league desperately needed those Isaiah Joe and Dakota Mathias minutes. Yeah, right. Um, and I, I don't know, man. It's it's tough because, like, yeah, even they had to list Mike. Mike Scott was listed as out, and they activated him, and I think he played three minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't watch the game. Like, he could have just been out there, like, literally walking around. And so it's like, it's it's tough. You want the product to be right. good, but and the NBA is tougher too because NFL, you play once a week, you have you have leeway to move games, you know, three or four days ahead. And like you mentioned, the roster size uh, is huge. And in the NBA, like it's not it's not just as simple as, hey, well, let's give teams a 25 man roster. Mm-hmm. All that really does is just increase the likelihood of guys getting COVID and bringing COVID in, doesn't right. it? I, I would think so. Yeah. I mean, at least on paper. And I, I think you brought up a good point, too, where at some point, I think if you're forcing these games and you have multiple star players out, it would end up being diminishing returns. I, I think it's, it, I'm sure it's about satisfying the local TV contracts and making sure you get to that magic number to make sure that's all good. But if, if it's like TV ratings that you're worried about and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris and Seth Curry are sitting out, you know, that number is not going to be remotely meaningful. No. And, and I think if, yeah, if you start to force these games just to play the game, um, the whole point of, of, you know, marketing these players and pulling in these big TV ratings, like it's not going to happen. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been, it's been really weird. I, I think the most frustrating thing for me, and I, I think for, for other people, you know, who play fantasy and, and are in that world is just like the lack of transparency. Like I, I get that this is, you know, an illness is different than a broken leg or a torn ACL and, and there's some privacy matters involved, I guess. Um, but you know, we don't, you look at like the Celtics injury report right now. It's like half these guys are day to day. Half of them are ruled out for seven days. Jason Tatum's out 10 to 14 days. Like it just seems like this is all like decided on a whim and there's, there just hasn't been any transparency. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're playing fantasy, you're looking at your team, you're looking at the waiver wire. It's like, who do I pick up? Who do I start this week? Like it's you, yeah. it's, it's complete like uh, chaos in terms of, you know, who like, I mean, just, just as much as, I mean, I feel like in real life and in fantasy, whoever ends up in first place, whoever ends up winning the title this year, like every, everyone last year was like, Oh, is, you know, is the bubble title going to be an asterisk title? Is it going, you know, is it going to be like people aren't going to respect it as much? And I feel like we got so much into that mindset that we completely disregarded the the idea that the NBA playing a trying to play a normal season this year would probably end up being this season would be the asterisk title because we got teams right now who like are five and four, like the Thunder and the Magic Thunder are five and four. The Magic are six and five. Like I would have had no idea. I saw someone tweet the other day. If you had to guess which teams are above and below 500, how would you do? And it's like, I probably would do awful. Yep. Like, you, you have no idea. And it's the same in fantasy. It's like, it's completely, um, you just kind of get lucky or you don't uh, in terms of who's available and who's not. And, you know, some guy might be out and it might be a five game week, like for the 76ers. Right. Or someone might be in and it's only a two game week. And then it's like, well, <laughs> mm-hmm. what do I do here? Yeah, I uh, I left Ben Simmons out of the lineup this week, and all of a sudden now he's just good to go out of nowhere. <laughs> back back tonight, can't put him in because he already played yesterday. So that was that was cool. I I wrote on Sunday, I wrote a column imploring people to go pick up Jeff Teague this week. All of a sudden the Celtics might not even play a single game. If you you know if you locked a player into your lineup on Sunday night, there is nothing you can do about that at this point. Hey NBA fans, Owners Box is here to reinvent the way you play fantasy sports this season. Owner's Box is not DFS. They're the first ever weekly fantasy sports platform to combine the best elements of daily and season-long fantasy. Owner's Box is a head-to-head elimination-style format that keeps players engaged through live snake drafts and a new layer of strategy that allows you to become the ultimate fantasy GM. Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly. On Owner's Box, users can brand themselves and engage socially on the platform in multiple different ways, add friends, create custom leagues, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. Users are able to draft a new team every single day and participate in different types of contests to keep the fantasy experience fresh and fun so you're never out of the game. To tip off the NBA season, if you sign up free now, Owner's Box will match your first deposit up to $500. Think you got what it takes to be a weekly fantasy GM? Visit ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your bonus and make a name for yourself today. I, I think in real life, the, the question you posed, you, you asked me this before we started recording and you just kind of hit on it. I think it's a, a really, really good question to ask, is this the asterisk title and not last year? I, I think universally everyone agrees, you know, uh, given the circumstances, it was it was still a legitimate title. I, I, I don't think it I don't think it changes based on the Lakers winning it. I think if the Heat had won it, it would still would have been legitimate, if not maybe even more legitimate. Um, but I, I think you're right. I mean, I really hope that when we fast forward to mid-May and the regular season is wrapping up, that we look back and say, man, that was that was a pretty crazy time when we thought the season might get canceled and everything has been pretty smooth since. I, I hope that happens. As of right now, it's pretty tough to think that that's going to be the ultimate outcome. But just looking at the results, like you said, I found myself thinking the same thing. Like on, on Sunday, I you know, I'm looking at the standings. I'm like, I just... This is all a surprise to me. You know, it's like in my mind, like the Nets are still, you know, the, this red hot best team in the East. They're five and six right now. Uh, you know, Milwaukee's seven and four. Like for the most part, I, I think eventually the cream will rise to the top. Um, you know, I, I think with some pretty major exceptions like Toronto being two and eight, I think that's probably the biggest surprise so far. Uh, Orlando obviously started what four or five and zero, oh, and and they've uh, you know they've kind of fallen back to earth a little bit as well. So I, I think it eventually will standardize. Uh, as the sample gets larger, but at the same time, I, I keep finding myself questioning, like, what's what's actually like a, a true test for these good teams? You know, take the five or six best teams in each conference. In, in a normal year, if you have a you know a Saturday night ESPN game and it's you know Lakers Mavericks, you're like, okay, this is this is a pretty good test. This will this will show us uh, a lot about each of these teams, and we can we can use this game a lot more than we would for a Lakers Timberwolves showdown on a Tuesday night, but with you know with players in and out of the lineup with you know so much uncertainty game to game it just feels like 
you know, I, I don't, I feel like no team has had like a significant victory yet because there's always some sort of catch with every game. Very, yeah, very much so. And there's no easy way to like sort, you can't like go to basketball reference and be like, I'd like to sort people's records by legitimate victories, please. Yeah, like when I, both teams were completely healthy, um, you know, how did this go? So it's really tough to like, you have to really dig in to try to weed out what's like, what is actually good for a team versus what is bad. It's like, does the strength of schedule, I think the strength of schedule is somewhat, somewhat legit. But again, if you have a 76er situation or a Boston situation where, you know, teams are just not, teams have like seven, eight available guys and they're all basically not starters. That's going to tank their record for like a week. And so it's like, just because they're, it's, it's really tough. I, I just don't know what's going to happen. And I think a lot of it is going to ultimately depend on when the NBA is able to get a hold of vaccines, right? Mm-hmm. And try to get everyone vaccinated. But even that is seemingly tough because have you, have you as a person heard anything about like, oh, here's when you, Nick Whalen, will be able to get vaccinated? Has anybody contacted you? Has nope. there been anything on TV? Has there been anything on your phone where it's like vaccination's coming? You're next. Uh, no, and, like, and I, I should clarify. I know I have to do this every now and then. I, I'm not I'm not an NBA player, so the circumstance is a little bit different. But no, I I was one of my good friends is a is a nurse here in Milwaukee, and we we were watching the national championship game together last night, and we had this exact conversation. Like he he's been vaccinated, you know, as a frontline worker. Right. I was like, I don't I've not heard anything about this. I I wouldn't even know how they would contact me. Wouldn't know where to go to do this. I don't I don't even know. Like I was talking to my mom about it as well earlier this week. She's obviously quite a bit older, you know, not super old, but old enough that she would be ahead of me in line. And she too has said she has no idea. Um, I think the question for the NBA is much like the controversy that surrounded them, you know, buying all those tests, um, you know, last spring when that was a big issue. Um, how much, how much of like a PR hit uh, theoretically would it be if the NBA was like, Hey, look, we're going to drop 500 mil and we're just going to buy, you know, vaccines for everybody involved players coaches traveling parties you know who knows what that what that cost would be it'd be astronomical would it be worth the potential pr hit of people saying wow you're jumping the line to do this i have no idea um it usually money is the be all end all right um and so i think they would if it absolutely came down to it i think if it if, i think if it was between you know if they if the board of governors had another meeting and we're like, we either have to cancel the season or just buy these vaccines. I think they would 100% buy the vaccines and maybe put the league on pause for two weeks, make sure everyone gets vaccinated and then restart, um, something like that. But yeah, I, I don't think they're they're worried about the PR hit when it comes down to canceling the season. I think, I mean, they're right now they're taking as many like half measures as they can, right? And eventually... I just don't think they're going to work personally. I, I have no idea. Again, I'm not a doctor, but it it kind of feels like things are snowballing again. It does. I, I do wonder what, you know, when you say you don't think it's going to work, like what does that ultimately mean? Like, does that mean they're they're forced into a situation where they have no choice but to actually cancel the season or it's a 72 game season that plays out as it is right now where we're in, we're in like week 10 of the season and we're still, you know, have you know two or three teams have outbreaks and games are getting canceled but the nba is still just trudging through and the season finishes but it just feels wrong uh the latter yeah i think i it's it's hard for me to imagine more games not getting postponed um it's it's hard for me to imagine you know the health and safety protocols thing not being constantly an issue and you know some games some teams are going to finish the season having played 72 games and some teams are going to have played 59 games and um like again, you were talking about the TV ratings. I, I know they're trying to save those, and I know they have contractual obligations. But who is watching? Like, if I'm, so, I'm a Bucks fan, and if Giannis, Middleton, Drew Holiday are out, Brooke Lopez is out, I'm not going to watch the game. I don't care if it happens. Like, I I'm not like how many diehard fans are really watching it. And same with like you know TNT or ESPN or whatever. If you know, if the top four players in any given game are out, how many people are actually going to watch that compared to just like doing something else? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I, I've also found, and you know, we say this all the time, we're in like the 0.1% of you know, NBA fans. The NBA is not worried about losing fans like you and I. 
I even have had a tough time staying as engaged as I normally would with with some of these teams. You know, I, I think part of it is it feels like the Bucks have played the Magic and the Pistons 15 times already. And that's just those are just not fun games to watch. But you tune in, the, the arena is empty and echoey and like just looks unappealing. Uh, and then on top of that, like you said, that, you know, half the league is like questionable game to game. And, you know, you don't, you don't really know what the product is going to look like. Um, I, I felt that it's it's tough to like looking at the Bucks specifically, you know, a team that that made a major move bringing in Holiday. It's just it's been really tough to even evaluate how everything is working so far, you know, because even even though the Bucks themselves have, have mostly avoided COVID related issues, like, you know, a lot of the teams that they played haven't. And you just feel like it kind of goes back to what I was saying before. Like, I, I don't even know, like, which games feel like they should matter anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, Bucks have had the third easiest schedule, too. And again, who knows? Like, again, it's, it's the Pistons, it's the Magic. I just, I don't know. I don't, the the playing tournament, I mean, the playing tournament makes, seems to have, I think it's a good season to have done it because there's a chance that the, uh, you know, the 11 seed or the 10 seed in whatever conference could end up being one of the best teams in the league, right? Like, if they get hit with COVID that hard, plus normal injuries, like, would it shock you if, you know, Philadelphia suddenly was like the eight or the nine seed? and had to fight for the play-in game. Um, it's, I just don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, I think the big distinction right now is at least teams are not having to forfeit these games. You know, like if, if like the Celtics, you know, would, would be on like a four-game losing streak by the end of the week if they were if they were forfeiting right, yeah. these games rather than rescheduling. So part of it, part of it kind of depends. You know, if they do make up, make up these games and the Celtics have a full roster to do so, then they're in a much better position had they had to play with eight players and, you know, Tatum and Brown and Tristan Thompson and whoever else are out. So, and again, this kind of goes back to what you said at the top where the season in fantasy and non-fantasy is really going to come down to which teams have the most luck in terms of injuries and, and COVID. And I think one way to look at it is, you know, the teams that avoid the COVID outbreaks are, theoretically over the course of six months are the ones that are being the most careful. They're being the most disciplined, you know, maybe they should be rewarded for that in some way. And I, and I guess having the better record and having the advantage in the playoffs would be the answer to that. But yeah, it's, it's just felt really weird so far. And I, I would definitely not go as far as to say like they shouldn't have played this season. I, I saw a lot of those takes uh, regarding college football last night, you know, mostly because apparently because the national title was a blowout and Alabama was the best team that it means that they never should have played all year because we knew the answer all along, or I guess that's the argument. I, I think playing sports is always better than not playing sports. You know, the, the league needs money. It's not, it's not as simple as, as people want to make it. Um, but this, this is going to be a weird season. And I think the last thing I'll say on this, and hopefully this changes soon, there, there's no longer like this light at the end of the tunnel feeling, right? Where like with the bubble, it was like, all right, that kind of sucked, but at least that's over. We'll have a normal season next year. Even if there's no fans to start the year, you know, we'll, we'll probably have fans after the all-star break or we'll have fans by the playoffs. Like that's totally out the window now, right? Like there's fans are not like a full arena is not happening anytime soon. Uh, no, no, it's not. And I've always kind of wondered since the beginning of the year, if they are going to try to convince the players to do another bubble for the playoffs. Um, and again, with the way things are going, if you could get the playoff teams to agree to that, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened again, but I don't think anybody wants to do that. Like it's been a really, I mean, again, you know, where people only have so much sympathy for people making like millions or tens of millions of dollars, but it's been a grind for a while for these players. Um, and it's just, you know, you see a team like Toronto, they don't get to play any home games. They live in Tampa Bay. Um, then it's just, you have to wonder how much they really even care about the season. Yeah, and it 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 really, um, you know, I'm gonna drop an S bomb. It really sucks because we're in a great era for the NBA too. Like last season was an all time great season, but it didn't feel like it because of the bubble. And and this season had so many awesome storylines. The re return of KD, like all of that, just seems like kind of secondary now. And and I I, I don't like it personally. The RotoWire NBA podcast is brought to you by BetMGM. Sports bettors know that magic happens when you turn a hunch into action and apply the right amount of expertise. That is why BetMGM has teamed up with RotoWire to offer new BetMGM customers a free six-month RotoWire subscription when you placed your first bet. Register on the BetMGM app or website and use promo code ROTO, that's ROTO, R-O-T-O, 
to claim your free subscription. Once you make your first sports wager, you'll receive a season's length of Rotowire's unmatched sports insights. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks by signing up and placing your first bet today. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, Tennessee, and West Virginia only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada and 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Um, with that said, let's talk some basketball. Um, <laughs> you have you have provided the top five teams to me uh, based on simple rating system, which is a basketball reference metric uh, in general, a really good way to see which teams are the best. Sometimes it, it belies record, uh, but as the sample size gets larger, uh, almost always a, a really good way to to kind of separate the the great teams from the good teams. So the top five right now, Milwaukee, the Lakers, the Nets, the Hawks, and the Dallas Mavericks. Um, you know, part of this is schedule related for some of these teams. Um, you know, sometimes it, it, this does kind of go in line with net rating. But uh, I, I will say, you know, Milwaukee and the Lakers at the top feels right. Those other three, uh, kind of iffy. Yeah. Um, you know, the Nets, when they're healthy, I think, um, should be in that class. Like, I, I'd be okay with them at that number three or number four, theoretically. You know, the Clippers, for example, are a team that they got bumped down really far and farther than they should have been because they got completely blown out by the Mavericks that one game. And I think the Mavericks are artificially high on this list because they blew out the Clippers. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the, you know, I, I, I keep an eye on this throughout the season uh, usually. And I think this is the first time that I've looked at it. And it's definitely made sense um, from like, teams at the top and teams at the bottom. Um, you know, like the Bucks have had the third easiest schedule, but again, they keep blowing teams out. They have a over 10 net rating again this season. That seems legitimate. Um, Lakers have cruised along, not really dealt with COVID stuff. Um, the Nets are deep. We know that, so that makes sense. The Hawks have had a really hard schedule, so even though they only have a four net rating, uh, they're doing pretty well there. And same with the Mavericks. Like, they've had a, a harder-than-average schedule. And they've really picked things up lately now that, that Doncic is rolling along. But now they're dealing with COVID stuff. Uh, so who who knows what's going to happen to that? Yeah, the Mavs are, are an interesting one because it, it really did feel like they started to turn a corner before this. And now we'll see, you know, if they're if they you know have somewhat of a setback in terms of having to miss games or, or potentially be without some key guys. But, yeah, it, it felt like Luka struggling out of the gate was a little bit undercovered, you know, I mean, the, the scoring totals for the most part were still there, but like the three point shooting was horrendous and really still is. I mean, he's how many games in is he at eight games and he's shooting 22% from three on, on a ton of attempts uh, has not had a game yet where he's made, you know, more than like 30% of his, of his attempts from three. Um, so that's been kind of a, a weird storyline so far. Um, yeah, with the Lakers, and I said this last week too, I, I feel better about the Lakers winning the title now um, than I did before the season started. And the Lakers themselves have looked fine. They haven't they haven't been blowing teams out. Um, you know, I know they, they have said they need like six to eight weeks before they really feel good about assessing where this roster is. But just the fact that no other team, you know, I guess with maybe the exception of Milwaukee, uh, especially when you look at SRS compared to record, no other teams have, have really emerged that, that make you think like, man, the Lakers might be in trouble in the Western Conference Finals. Right. Yeah. I never think the Lakers are going to lose. Um, no. Anytime I see, I see a matchup, I just think, well, Lakers probably going to win this one. And if they and lose, that, it's because they like didn't play hard enough. Right. And I feel the same way about like probably the Bucks. Um, I just don't, you know, every once in a while. But I, again, like. I don't feel the same way about the Clippers, for example, who just can't stop blowing games. Um, right. I would never bet at this point. Like if we're talking betting, I would never feel confident having a bet on the Clippers. Never. No. Um, if I had a bet on the Lakers, if I had a bet on the Bucks, even to some extent, the Nets, I feel relatively confident in that. And um, so I think I think that is at least bore out in these in these like top 10 simple mm-hmm. ranking system rankings. 
I think the difference for me with the Bucks and the Lakers is that the Lakers have proven it, and specifically LeBron has proven it, and, and I guess most of the roster has after last year, where I, you know, like with the Bucks, I never expect them to lose a regular season game, but I don't expect them to win the Eastern Conference anymore based on what we've seen the right. last two two years. And you know, granted, they're still the Vegas favorite, and like if I had to bet on a team to win the East, I guess it would be would be Milwaukee, but I don't have that like supreme long term confidence in the Bucks that I do with the Lakers, where you know, if the Lakers you know, go on a seven game losing streak, I'll be like, well, you know, this isn't encouraging, but at the same time, you know, let's see this happen in the playoffs because I, I they've just earned that benefit of the doubt. Milwaukee's on the complete other end of the spectrum with that. Right. And I feel like the Lakers, again, this is just my perception of them, like not almost not being covered at all. Like, I feel like I never hear Lakers talk, which is weird, but I feel like part of that is because they've just been as good as everyone thought they would be. And they're doing right. what everyone thought they would do. And so you hear almost nothing about LeBron or AD. Like AD was struggling a little bit at the beginning of the year, but again, doesn't really matter. They keep winning games because they have a great bench. And, yeah. um, you know, LeBron, I think, I, again, this might be like, feels like the least he's ever been covered in his career. He's just mm-hmm. continuing to coast. You know, I'm looking at some of his numbers right now. He's just like, still just, I mean, he's still LeBron. Um, you know, there's some interesting stuff that it's like he's getting to the rim, you know, less than ever before, essentially. But I don't even know what to really think of that, um, whether that's just yeah. like him completely coasting or him, you know, getting older. I mean, that I, I have no idea what to think about. I do wonder if this changes a little bit once the NFL season ends, you know, because if, if you turn True. on yeah. first take or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's all football all the time. And that's usually the case even during a non-pandemic NBA season. Um, it, it, you know, it takes a while for things to kind of rev up. But. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think part of it with the Lakers, um, I think some people would argue that, you know, depending on what Instagram accounts you follow, the Lakers are getting plenty <laughs> of coverage. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think I think the Lakers winning last year took away a lot of the talking points because usually, you know, so much of it around LeBron is always like negative or, you know, same with Anthony Davis. You know, he had never Kenny win it on the biggest stage. You know, that was basically the the lead topic for like half of the season last year. And then they went and did it and they look good this year, too. So like you said, there's just not. There's not a lot there in terms of what you can even question about this team anymore, which from a like a sports media perspective just makes them kind of boring uh, in a roundabout way. Um, what did you think of uh, Taylor Horton Tucker last night, by the way, now, since we're on the Lakers? I got to sneak this in. Uh, I actually didn't see it. You're going to have to tell me. OK, well, he looked very good. Uh, easily his best game. I guess this was actually on Sunday, um, so I shouldn't say last night. Oh, but, OK. Um, it was the Houston game on Sunday, 17, five, three assists, four steals, had a couple like straight up rips of, of guys uh, as he, he had had one on Kawhi, um, you know, earlier in the season as well. Um, I just, I just think he looks really good. And I've, I've had a few people ask me about him, uh, over the last few days. Like there was, there was a report from Sean Devaney, who I, I think either is, or used to be with sporting news. Um, I don't know where he's at now, but he, he basically said like three teams, it was the the Knicks, the Mavs, and the Cavaliers have like already inquired about signing him in restricted free agency this coming summer. That's not surprising. I mean, uh, I think we both feel the same way about Taylor Horton Tucker. Like when we saw him in. in the preseason, uh, it was pretty obvious that he is like a good player. Yeah. Um, and especially like defensively, um, his block and steal rates are really good. He's a good rebounder. He's just a really good all-around player. Obviously, we've talked about the physicals before. He's 6'4", 230 with, I think, a, was it a seven-foot wingspan? 6'11", I believe. But yeah, close enough. Yeah. Um, he's played 169 minutes this season per 36, averaging 17 points, five and a half boards, four assists, two steals, and a block, uh, essentially, on, on good shooting But the efficiency splits. is awesome, too. I mean, he's like almost, he's like, what, 48, 36, 92 shooting line? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got a 59% true shooting. That's obviously yeah. way above, you know, kind of he's, bench line of 55. I think he would start for at least seven teams in the league. I don't have those teams handy, but I, I think he's that good. The The interesting thing to me now is like the Lakers kind of just, I don't want to say lucking into this guy, but it, it makes you feel a lot more confident if you are the Lakers about moving on from Kyle Kuzma, who has oh, been yeah. good, by the way, this season. Just, I, I still think he's positionally redundant with LeBron and AD and it doesn't make a ton of sense. And he was back in the playoffs and Markeith Morris was just as good as him. Um, so I think, I think it, this increases the likelihood that Kuzma ultimately gets moved. 
Yeah, and I think Kuzma signing that contract right before the season and locking him in at a certain price was the number one thing that precludes, um, or I shouldn't say precludes, like, I guess just makes him more tradable, you know, because now there's not that unknown of, well, we have to, if we do trade for him this year, then we're the team that has to sign him. You know, we're, we're basically obligated to sign him um, or we're, we're trading for a guy that we're just going to let walk. So setting that price and setting it at a pretty affordable rate, I thought, um, especially based on like Kuzma's public profile versus his actual production, <laughs> I, I think makes trading him a lot easier. And with, I mean, with, with Horton Tucker, he's, he's going to be subject to the arenas provision where he can, like, he's going to, the contracts that he's going to be offered this, you know, this coming summer are, are going to force the Lakers to probably pay up to keep him, which, you know, part of the appeal right now is he's making like no money as a second round pick. Um, but I think he's been good enough and, and he's young enough. He's only 20 that you kind of do, unless, you know, he really tails off and this is some sort of just grand mirage. I think you do whatever you can to keep him because he can kind of bridge you. Not that he's going to, you know, he's never going to be like a top five player, but he could bridge you, you know, from the LeBron era kind of into the AD era and, and maybe be, you know, a guy who, who was there for a long time. So yeah, it's, I mean, I know a lot of people are probably upset that this, this, like the Lakers are the team to run into this guy. Um, but at the same time, I wrote this in the preseason. I like, there have been, I feel like LeBron has not caught a ton of breaks like this over the years. Obviously he's assembled some pretty good teams. I'm not going to say he hasn't had, you know, enough help, especially the last like decade. Like he's, it's been fine. Um, but, you know, for this to happen to a team that's already arguably the best team in the league, you know, making them even stronger, I, I think, is a fun wrinkle uh, for someone who who tends to root for LeBron. Yeah, I mean, over the course of, you know, like his his 15 NBA seasons, essentially, um, I guess, was it 17 now? It's um, crazy. You would think this would happen like once, right, where the team gets just completely hits on like a second round pick or some complete flyer guy that ends up being you know, maybe the fourth best player on an, or third best player on a LeBron team. Um, and this is, right. I can't, I can't remember. I'm sure there is another instance of that sort of happening, but it does really feel like um, this could end up being like the best, uh, most notable instance right. of that happening. I mean, I think people thought it was Kuzma, right? Um, he wasn't a second round pick, but he was close. Yeah. But I mean, um, yeah, I mean, Kuzma was there when LeBron joined though. I feel like it's a little bit different, but yeah, I think, I think everybody thought it, everybody thought it would be Kuzma for sure. But again, the bottom line is how often has LeBron, despite being the best player, how often has he had the best team in the league? Not very many times. No, not too often, but I think, you know, him and Anthony Davis together, uh, if you're in a playoff series, there's a pretty good chance you have the two best players in that series. Yeah. Uh, And that's, I mean. Right. Historically, that's been good enough. But I, I just, <laughs> yeah. you know, normally I would say with the exception of like the probably the 2011 heat and the 2012 heat and maybe 2013. I mean, I don't I don't think any of those Cavs teams were ever the definitive best team in the league. I, I think the Warriors held that title pretty much his entire time in Cleveland. And even last year, I, I don't I was I was all in on the Clippers until they lost to to Denver. I would say this is probably only the third or fourth time that he's ever had the team that I would say the most people would say, yes, this is the best roster. Yeah, that that sounds right. Okay, so we have we have a little bit of time left. Um, I want to spend about ten minutes or so looking back at some of our preseason predictions, um, and we'll we'll revisit you know some of these throughout the year as we go on. We hit these hit the site on December sixth, so you know a little over two weeks uh, before the se- the start of the season, and I just want to see kind of where we're at now. So one of the questions that we asked was outside of the top four. Uh, and this this is preseason title odds. So that was the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, and the Nets. Which teams do you like best in terms of you know NBA title winner bets? So my answer was Dallas at twenty two to one, Philly at twenty five to one, Golden State at thirty to one. Your answer was Miami at fifteen to one, Denver at twenty to one, Portland at fifty to one. Would you like to amend that at all? Uh, yeah. Um, Portland's looked awful. And I don't think they're as bad as they look, but the defensive problems are real. And every game they're in is practically a blowout, either for them or against them. So that's pretty rough. I still think they have the talent. I, I don't think 50 to one's a horrible deal. And I still think it was a good deal at the time mm-hmm. uh, for the Blazers. Um, you know, Nuggets, they are really having a tough time without uh, without Jeremy Grant and... Um, 
and Mason Plumley. And I like I probably like Mason Plumley more than the average person, but like this is ridiculous. Uh in terms of and I know they haven't had Michael Porter Jr. lately, but their defense is so bad that you can't realistically say they're going to win the title. It's that bad. Um and I'm I'm still okay with the Heat. You know, they they've just they've struggled a little bit. They probably tapped out their potential to some extent last year. Um but I don't know. I mean, they they still have a really good team. Are you feeling bad about any of yours? I mean, Golden State. Golden State's uh, looked better lately. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I don't. I don't like a week ago. I would have felt horrible about that. I mean, I don't think Golden State has any shot to win the title. Keep in mind, I guess we we did do these after Clay got hurt. So I don't know what I was thinking there. Uh, Thirty-one. I I would like to I would like to rescind that one. Um, I mean, I don't know, Philly at 25 to one, I, I still like, I mean, before all the COVID stuff and the, and the minor injuries to Embiid and Simmons, they were like seven and one. Um, and I, I always feel like with those two guys, like Simmons and Embiid are not going to be the best two players in a playoff series, like, like LeBron and, and AD, uh, especially if you're going up against the Lakers in theory. Um, but I, I still wouldn't be shocked if, if those guys, you know, if they get hot at the right time, if those guys really start to click, like we saw two years ago, you know, when they almost knocked off Toronto, I still wouldn't be shocked if Philly's in it in the East. And if you can just get there, you know, who knows what happens in the finals with Dallas. I I knew this at the time and I still feel like they're, they're still a piece away, right? You know, like Luca's awesome and he hasn't even played that well. And there's, they still have a, a solid offense and they look like a good team, but you can't rely on Tim Hardaway to just have his like one game a week where he goes like seven of 12 from three. There's, they still need one more piece and we'll see what Porzingis looks like. He was supposed to be back on Monday, should be back tomorrow. But even him, like even with him last year, it felt like they were one piece away. So for me, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if it happens this year. I, I think Dallas is probably a team that, you know, maybe makes a run, maybe wins a playoff series. But I, I don't know that they're really a serious title contender. Like, I guess we should go back to the original question. And, you know, is it Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, Nets versus the field? Is it that easy for you? It, it, it's one of those four? Uh, Yes. Yeah, Same here. Yeah, I think four. that's no brainer. I mean, James even said last week he would just go Lakers or the field. Uh, yeah, I, I would be fine with that. Um, I think that makes sense. They've looked like the best team so far. Mm-hmm. Um, MVP. So I asked for your preseason MVP pick. Uh, you went Luka Doncic. I went Luka Doncic as well. Um, wh- who else did you consider? And I guess, have you, have you moved off of Luka at all based on what we've seen through three weeks? Uh, I haven't really moved off of Luka. I think that you know, from what I've heard, the the season starting in December rather than January really caught him off guard. Um, and sure, I think a lot of other players got caught off guard too with like their training regimen. So I think he's really or working. Or lack his, thereof, yes. Yeah, we're right. I think he's working his way back into shape. Um, you know, at this point, like the the Steph Curry bet is interesting to me. I, I don't I don't have it in front of me in terms of what it is right now. But before the season, it was eight to one. Um, I think I think there's a good chance that happens and. You know, the Celtic situation is rough, but I still don't mind Jason Tatum. He was at 16 to one. And you might be actually you might be able to get him at longer odds now. Um, mm-hmm. But those were those were the guys I really considered from a betting perspective. So of the the quote unquote favorites, guys at 20 to one or, or under, I, I said I would cross off LeBron, Harden and Kawhi. And I, I feel good about crossing off Harden. I think Harden has completely harpooned whatever MVP case he would have. Um, you know, based on his his preseason stuff. So I, I feel good about that one. I mean, Kawhi hasn't hasn't missed as much time. I mean, there's been I, he, has he played in a back to back? I think he might have. Or that he's at least been considering yeah. playing in back to backs. Like, you know, the rest thing with Kawhi, I think, is more narrative than like actual results at this point. Um, and then LeBron. I mean, with LeBron, you never know. I, I I expected him to take it easy. He himself said he would take it easy, um, and not even necessarily in terms of missing games. He has not missed any so far. Um, but I, I just kind of thought he would be a little more hands off finally, because he, he actually does have a decent enough team around him that he could do that. And I mean, in typical LeBron fashion, I, I feel like he's just, when he's out there, he can't not have everything run through him, you know? And I know like NBA.com does their, their MVP ladder that they update week to week. And the first edition of that just came out and, and LeBron's number one. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess as of right now, I don't have a problem with him being in that spot, you know, a lot of the guys who are putting up like crazy numbers right now, like Brad Beal and, and Zach Levine are on bad teams. Um, you know, like I, we, we talked about Luca struggling, I think, relative to expectations. I don't know. I, I think like LeBron, Curry and Durant to me are, are the three that, that I'm keeping an eye on. 
I think we have to at least keep an eye on Jokic. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I forgot Jokic. You're right. He Right now, he's the number one fantasy player in A-category yeah. leagues by a relatively significant margin, um, averaging 24 points on 16 shots, uh, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. Mm-hmm. The you know the Nuggets are going to have to be decent uh, for sure, but and right now they're five and five, which is pretty close to good enough for an MVP, especially I think this season. Mm-hmm. And if you know, I mean, the list of players that again have averaged a triple double, extremely extremely small list. Uh, and if Westbrook could have won it that year, there's no reason Jokic can't win it this year, even though he doesn't have the quote unquote narrative behind him. Yeah, I mean, if Denver picks it up and, you know, in in a few months, they're the number three seed in the West. I think he absolutely has a chance. They they just need to be a little better, I think, team wise. Uh, rookie of the year. The, the question was, does LaMelo Ball deserve to be the preseason favorite? James is looking pretty good on here. He said, yes, I would definitely have Ball as the favorite. Uh, you said no. I said I understand it, but no. Yeah, I uh I thought his minutes would be a concern and I thought his shooting percentages would be God awful. Um, I was, I, I thought he averaged the most assists in the class, which I think is, you know, bearing out pretty well. Um, and I predicted that he would shoot 40, 30, 70. Uh, and I'm pulling up a shooting right now. He's shooting 41, 35, 72. So not insanely far off. Yeah. But I think the main thing I missed with uh, LaMelo was that I think when he was in Australia, I ended up seeing too many lowlights of him and where he was just messing around or experimenting. And, uh, you know, I think I thought he was an undisciplined player and he's not at all. He's extremely high IQ player, one of the most high IQ rookies I've ever seen both ends of the court. And I just think that he wasn't like really trying to do that when he was in Australia. And, I, that's what I missed. So um, I think right now he deserves to be the favorite for sure. Like no question. Yeah, I, I think it's right now it's a three man race between Ball, Halliburton and James Wiseman. And I think Ball is for sure in the driver's seat. I think he's played he's played the most consistently and he's also had the highest ceiling games of those guys so far. Uh, and, and we'll see. Maybe Anthony Edwards works his way in there. Uh, he's the, the thing with him is he's just kind of like all points and doesn't really do anything else. I mean, with Ball, it's like he his last game, I mean, on Monday night, he goes three of 13 from the field, his worst shooting game so far, um, doesn't even get to the line. But then you look at his, his final stat line, he's, he still has 14 rebounds, seven assists, three steals and a block. I mean, he is he's really unbelievable. And, and I'd really I think at some point he's, he's probably going to end up in the starting lineup if Devontae Graham, you know, kind of continues to, to play the way that he's played. But, yeah, I, I think with Ball, I felt through the first three games, I was, I felt pretty good about, you know, not targeting him whatsoever in drafts and just thinking it was going to be a, a learning year. You know, I've never been out on him. I just, I just didn't think he'd be good at all right away. And he hasn't even been rookie good. Like he's been, he's been NBA point guard good, but not even, not judging on a curve. Right. Um, and you know, Charlotte is six and five right now. And that, mm-hmm. that makes, you know, his case even stronger right now. Looking on the DraftKings Sportsbook, he's minus 134, which to me actually seems like still good value based on like what we've seen so far. Halliburton right behind him at plus 350. So um, I feel like I'm still getting good value if I if I take ball for rookie of the year. Halliburton has been completely out of control, by the way. His last seven games, 56% from three on over five attempts per game, 55% from the field. Um, like Barely ever turns the ball over one turnover per game during that span, almost two steals per game. Uh, and he's at 13 and a half points, three rebounds, six assists. You know, I, I don't think his it, the rebounding is going to be the big difference between those two because ball ball is like an otherworldly rebounder, uh, especially by rookie point guard standards. But the rest of the numbers, I, I think, will end up looking pretty similar. And and I, I'm kind of with you in terms of your pregame prediction that I still wouldn't be surprised if if ball ends up struggling percentage wise, you know, over the course of 72 games. But I mean, Halliburton's not going to shoot 55 percent from three, obviously. But he was a hyper-efficient scorer in college. And, I mean, we have enough of a sample now that this isn't this isn't a complete fluke. I mean, one-seventh of the year, basically, uh, is complete, and, and he's already putting up those numbers. Yeah, uh, Halliburton is a legit, like, number two candidate, uh, for sure. Just his—he's been incredible. It's insane how much he slipped. 
and I know I've said this before. I don't. We still don't really have an explanation. There's no phantom injury. There's no, you know, obviously I, I don't think anybody was trying to steer him to Sacramento. I'm not sure anyone's ever tried to go to Sacramento ever. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, I imagine, you know, we talk about THT ending up on the Lakers. Like, imagine if Halliburton was doing this as, you know, the sixth man for the Suns. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we we think of the Suns even more mm-hmm. of a contender than I think to some extent we already do, like a fringe contender. Right, exactly. Um, most improved player. Uh, your your candidates who you liked, uh, and this was based partially on the odds. So you know some of these are longer shots, but you're looking at value. SGA at 11 to one. Michael Porter 20 to one. Christian Wood was 33 to one. Uh, Mitchell Robinson 40 to one. Uh, how do you feel about that uh, quartet of players? Uh, pretty good since Christian Wood is now the favorite at plus 175. Um. And Michael Porter is at 12 to one. Um, it's it's really the I, I think people are still kind of worried about Christian Wood, right? There was some hesitancy around um, what would happen with him. I don't I don't really know why. You know, kind of looking back at it now, but feeling pretty good about those. I mean, Mitchell Robinson is still. I mean, he's playing more minutes than he ever has before. Uh, Porter Jr.'s value increased uh, as I mentioned before, and SGA's value has gone down. Uh, but only because Christian Woods emerged as so much as a favorite. And same with Jeremy Grant, um, Julius Randle also at, at plus 1,200. So those are the two that I just really didn't see coming was was Jeremy Grant and Julius Randle, especially Randle. Yeah, the Randle thing is is insane. And he's a legitimate candidate for this and, and probably should be for most of the season. I just, I mean, we've gone over that list of recent winners. You know, everybody who's won this award has gone on to be a very, very good, consistently good to not, if not great player. Um, you know, guys like Jimmy Butler, Brandon Ingram, Giannis, Paul George, Oladipo, Siakam, like those are all household name type of players for NBA fans. To me, the Randall thing just feels like so much more of like a one year blip than any of those guys did when they broke out. But I mean, we'll see. Maybe, maybe this is who he's been all along and he's just been in such terrible situations in New Orleans and L.A., uh, and even last year in New York, who knows? The list of guys that I threw out uh, as my favorite bets. Jalen Brown was number one. I feel very good about that. Uh, the COVID thing has has obviously derailed everything that the Celtics have had going. But he looks like he has for sure made that leap into you know per- potential like perennial all-star type of status. De'Aaron Fox, we'll see about that one. Um, yeah. You know, the numbers have been fine. He's basically been the same player as last year. Um, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. I had SGA as well, Michael Porter as well, uh, Zion Williamson, who I thought would, I, I think he's been a disappointment so far. I, I thought that, you know, the hype would kind of carry him maybe further than than it should have. But honestly, the numbers really haven't been good enough, I, I think, for him to make a case. And then the last two, RJ Barrett. Did I actually believe that he'd be in, in the race for this? No. Will he actually be? Probably not. It seems like he's every other game. Like he has a, he either plays like the best or the worst gamer of his career on any given night. Uh, which is usually not a good recipe to to play consistent basketball and win this. Um, and then the guy who I, I actually think I think he would have won it and now is kind of out of it is John Morant. I think I think he he's kind of he kind of fits that list too of guys who were already really good and then went to a new level. I mean, it looked like it looked like the Grizzlies maybe weren't going to be very good, but he was going to have a chance to average like you know 27 and nine or something as a sophomore. I mean, in the three games that he played. Per 36 minutes, he was averaging 35 points, eight assists. Um, and like, again, we we, had, we saw it in the preseason, too. So I think Morant is the guy here who's getting hurt the most. But um, I forget what his timeline is in terms of when he's coming back. But I think I think he has an opportunity to uh, come back. And if he can stay healthy the rest of the year, I think he can shoot up that 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 board. Right. I mean, there's a chance he's back as early as next week, right? I, I think the initial timetable was three to five weeks. I know. I think we have him potentially returning around like, you know, that middle of the final week of January. Um, so, it's, I mean, it's possible he could beat that. We'll see. Uh, obviously, they won't rush him back. But yeah, he's, he's not out of it yet. But I, I think I think it felt like he had built up some momentum already, despite only playing like three games. Um, and and it, might, it might be tough to, to kind of get that back, especially coming off the injury. All right, man. We got to wrap this up. Uh, you and I have a bunch of player news to to get to and then make sure we're all set for tonight. But appreciate you kind of sneaking this in uh, before things get busy. Yeah, of course.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.